You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Assisted by Rain here, you can hear that in the background. I'd like to introduce you to Andrew Miller. He's from a Fremantle duo, which is all the way over there in Western Australia, called Yo-Yo Sun, and the reason for the conversation with Andrew is to promote his stellar new single called Wish I Was Brave, which is taken from the new album, which will be released, it might even be out there by now, actually, I should have asked him that, but it will be released sometime soon, if it isn't, the date today is 25th of June 2019, so around about this date here, it's called At First Light. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. It's your namesake calling for our conversation. How are you going? Yeah, all right. Yourself? (laughs) Yeah, pretty good, actually. If you can hear my kids yelling in the background, don't worry about it. That is standard course of action for 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night. So there you go. uh, (laughs) Apart from that, mate, no, it's it's been good, actually. I've actually got three others uh, after yourself that Lee's helped me line up, actually. So it's going to be a solid night of interviewing, let me tell you. So I reckon I'm off to a good start talking to you, mate. So here we are. Awesome. Yeah, no, so you're over in Brisbane, eh? Gold Coast, northern Gold Coast, actually, Gold Coast. but might as well say Brisbane. Gosh, you know, for uh, southeast Queensland, mate, it's all basically one big metropolis these days from the Gold Coast <laughs> up to the sunny coast out to Toowoomba. Awesome. You know, so how's things going for you today? You assume you were at work or something that occupied your time like that? I was, yeah, I was at work, but yeah, uh, yeah it wasn't too bad. Not yeah. too bad. What do, you, what do you do for a crust outside of play this wonderful music you've got? I am an occupational therapist uh, in a um, psychiatric hospital. Holy moly, the stories you could tell. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly plenty of stories. Yeah. And I also, I also run a recording studio for people with um, diagnosed mental illness. Right, yeah, that's a very noble profession you've got there, I must say. Jokes aside, you know, I mean, that's doing what you're doing. I mean, mental illness is a very serious thing, and I think it's awareness in societies you no doubt are aware is growing and uh people there's not so much the stigma around it these days i feel or, or would you would you disagree with that oh look i think there's still definitely stigma i still think there's a way to go but it's good to see that society is starting to um talk about it more mm, indeed yeah so how do you juggle everything then you've got music you've got the recording studio then you've got your occupational therapy your career if you like your profession if you like so how do you make time uh, it's certainly busy. Um, I'd, yeah, just just try and make the time. Um, uh, yeah, just it's yeah, I never never stop really, but that's that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what I I'm, I'm doing what I value, so that drives me. It does. Yeah, that's a really good point right there. If you're doing what you've been put on God's green earth to do. It's not really work, is it? But in saying that, you've got to have the energy and you've also got to be aware of the commitments you make and if you can keep the commitments and that sort of thing. And uh, recording studios, I've never run one, but I've been in a fair few in my time and they're always fairly chaotic environments, to say the least, with people wanting things yesterday and people not turning up for sessions. And then you get the prima donna thing when people come in and think their music is wonderful and why doesn't the rest of the world understand it? So uh, do, you, do you run that locally or do you run that out of your home? Or Tell me a bit more about that one there. Uh, so that's actually um, through an art therapy centre. So, um, yeah, I have clients, um, people diagnosed with uh, mental illness who come in and, and we meet their therapy goals through music. Okay, so that's, it's dedicated to that. It is. It's, it's my, wow. All my clients are just people with um, uh, diagnosed mental illness. So you'd, you'd be about one of the only ones in Australia, I reckon? 
oh, look, I don't know how many people are doing it. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not all about the end product. Um, it's it's, it's about the experience the and process, the process, yeah. process and the experience and and the, and the sense of community in the studio. But uh, I endeavour to try and you know get the mix of sounding the best I can. So yep. I tend to um, stay up late at night and try and you know what it's like mixing and and that kind of thing. So just trying to uh, you know give back uh, people the best version of themselves. You know when they listen back. It's a really good way of putting it, and I bet you really enjoy seeing the excitement of people when they see the end product there. You know, they've toiled and they've done what followed your instructions, no doubt, and they've been very dutiful and rehearsed and all the rest of it, and then you give them this wonderful product at the end of it and say, this is you, this is it. Yeah, some of them can't believe it. It's Yeah, it's awesome. It's, that's the rewarding part. I bet. Yeah, sure. wow. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, it's a pretty new venture, the studio. That's probably only... Um, about six months old. Yeah. Rightio. So you've been. Um, but you recognised. Yeah. Sorry. No. Well, you recognised there was obviously a need for it, and and how did you recognise that there was a need for it? Oh, I think just through working in uh, in a hospital where people are coming in, in in an acute phase of mental illness, you know, the talent just blows you away. Um, you know, the creativity. Is so heightened when people, um, you know, often come into hospital sure. and I know what you're saying, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just, you know, I've always played music with people coming through hospital and and tried to harness their creative energy, and it just seemed logical that the that they needed a, a recording studio space, you know, to tap into when they're out of hospital because, hmm. as you'd know, music, everything to do with music, it can be costly and timely. Absolutely, and yeah. That's one of the biggest barriers for people that are marginalised. They don't often have have the funds to to access um, the opportunity to sort of um, develop their music further. So, developing their music further, you give them an opportunity to record. And do you have a lot of people come back for a second and a third go? Like, obviously, you've got some really talented people in that mix there. So, you must be something of a lightning rod for the community to express themselves. So. You must have some people where you recognise that talent and go, hey, listen, we better further this. This is something that is very rewarding for you and I think people need to hear this. So, as I say, do you get a lot of people coming for repeat visits? Yeah, so people tend to sign up for um, for sort of uh, an extended period of time and I work with them um, over time and um, in the studio. Um, but there's also situations where, you know, I'll hear someone um, through my work in the hospital, and I'm like, you got to come with me. So um, I'll, I'll get them into the studio while they're in hospital as well. Hmm. Have you had to teach people how to play an instrument when they're in the studio because they're just so keen to do something but might not necessarily have the skills prior to meeting yourself? So can you talk to me about that process if it happens? Yeah, so some people have no music experience, but they come in with a goal, um, and that might be, to, for example, to play bass guitar, in which case, you know, I adapt the task to make it achievable. So um, I'll, um, you know, put red sticker dots, red sticky dots, you know, on the frets and mm-hmm. and get yep. people to kind of follow those. And, and I'll sort of count and time them and um, and give them visual and visual cues and and prompts as, as they need them. And yeah, just we just try to to make it happen. I bet. Okay. And for, do do you have something? 
resembling a, a website where you, where you share the music of well, the people create there with you in the studio, or is it really up to the individual to go and share it in their own it, way via Facebook or whatever? It is. I I um I literally record the music, and I the only person I give it back to is the person who's recorded it, and I say off you go. You can do with it whatever you please. Well, if you can, mate, I'd, I'd really think about collecting a lot of that music and putting it out there for people because, you know, I mentioned uh, a few minutes back, you know, that, that destigmatizing or the stigma around mental illness. I mean, if people can hear some of the music these people are creating, they're just going, well, these are regular people that have just been they're basically just very unlucky to have this mental illness. So it doesn't affect their intellectual prowess, though. Yeah, that's right. So I think I think that's definitely on the cards for the future to look at, you know, I think it would be great to eventually work towards, um, you know, empowering people to put their music out there through a platform and, and to showcase what people who have gone through challenges can make. Mm, indeed. All right, let's change gears and let's talk about Wish I Was Brave because that's the only single that I've got from you, actually. That's what Lee sent across. And I'm going to yep. share my thoughts with you on it, okay? So bear with me here. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Right. First thing I do is try to compare you to an artist or a band that's out there because, you know, I have about 24 hours or so to listen to something and I listen to it a few times and I like doing that because it's it's then it's very present, it's very immediate. So the, the, the yeah. artist that I could compare you to is Corner Shop with their track Brimful of Asher. That was the first thing that, you know, that the dun 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 that really reminded me of that in a really positive way. I'm sure you probably don't even know who I'm talking about because they're... I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Do check it out. Do YouTube it. Wonderful video. Great track. It was a big hit back in 1997. An English band. I think yep. a fellow of Indian origins playing in the UK. Played at Brimful of Asher as something to do with the Indian community or the Hindu community over there. And really cool track, and it reminded me a lot of that, man. So big props for that, because I haven't heard a track that has uh, that kind of... It's it's laid back, but at the same time, it's 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 very upbeat. I don't know how else to describe it, but that's really how I felt about it. So the next point would be laid back, beer on a sandy lagoon, camping vibes. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's good vibes, you know. We're all about the campfire vibes, for sure. Hmm. So is that... Is the track Wish I Was Brave, is that indicative of the rest of the album? And I believe it's called At First Light. Um, look, I think it, it represents a, a part of the album, but um, a lot of uh, there's another side to, to Yo-Yo Sun, which I guess is um, more sort of, I guess, more downbeat, more ballad style, uh, you know, more sort of strings and um, and piano and... And, uh, yeah, so we've kind of got a bit, bit of both worlds going on. It's a few upbeat songs and a few sort of downbeat songs. Mm. Um, and I think uh, what's really exciting is, um, you know, Jamie, um, you know, who's half of Yo-Yo Sun with myself, mm -hmm. uh, she's got an absolutely beautiful, stunning voice. And, she um, does, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really showcased on some of the other tracks on the album. Let's talk about your uh, your partnership there with Jamie. So, how did you guys meet? When was the decision uh, if initiated, if you like, to create music together? Yeah, um, so we met probably several years ago um, over a dinner, and um, Jamie was talking about how she uh, enjoyed writing a lot um, and sort of journaling, and 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 I said, well, and that she sang, um, and I said, well. I've got a little microphone and basic studio set up in the back of my shed. Um, so she, um, you know, came out to the shed um, one afternoon and 
and we, I said, well, let's write a song. And um, I had a riff, and, and Jamie, I think, wrote like a whole page of lyrics in about five minutes. And I was just amazed at how quickly cool. these lyrics yep. poured out of her. Um, and that was the beginning of it, and we started just catching up from time to time there, and we'd often um, catch up one week, write a song together, um, and then uh, with the help of a good friend of ours, Daniel Henry, he'd often come around the following week, and we'd record it. So a lot of our songs on the album um, weren't very old. They were all kind of in their infancy when we recorded them, and then we sort of mm-hmm. developed them over time. So we captured them pretty, pretty in their pretty early um, stages, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really important point you make there about, oh, I'm a musician, I must mention that now I'm a bass guitarist, primarily a bass guitarist, but also writing the guitar as well. And there is that moment early on in the creative process where you actually capture the essence of the song. It's just up to you, the artist or the writer, if you like, whether or not you recognise that you've captured the essence of the song. And it sounds like you guys have got a really good working relationship. So it was fairly straightforward for you to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and we, we both write songs, we both write lyrics and quite often Jamie would send me ideas and melodies, you know, through mm. her her phone. Um the cloud I'd, bank. I'd, I'd hear it <laughs> that's it, I I'd hear her doing the dishes in the background I'd, and then I'd sort of <laughs> that's walk cool. away and start yeah. start trying to put some guitar to it and um yeah, so it's we we definitely work well together and um, and yeah, we just enjoy um, pl- playing music together whenever we catch up. There's good videos on your Facebook page. I'll hand it to you there. It, uh, you look like the sort of band uh, artists that need to come on at about, I reckon, about nine o'clock or so, and people are settle- settling in for their evening. You know, they've already put a few tins away, that sort of thing. You guys come on, and it just sets up the rest of the night beautifully. Yeah, I don't think we're the sort of group that'll be that be playing sort of around midnight. I think we're early early evening. Yep, definitely. Just to sort of get the vibe going, get some nice chilled vibes into the into the space, and um, yeah, that's what we're all about. Yeah, have you had much opportunities to perform together? Um, we've we've done a few shows around Fremantle. Uh, we've played at Greyland uh, Greylands Psychiatric Hospital quite a few times. Um, for, for patients, and um, we uh, recently had our launch for, for Wish I Was Brave, and that, and that was a fantastic night. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we did a secret warehouse show, um, Wicked. Yep. Which, which was really cool, and, and that's thanks to Suburb, Suburban Vibes. Um, Regan and Jono, they um, propped us up there and, and gave us the opportunity to do that. Um, and, yeah, it's just been exciting times, and, you know, it's, it's surreal, you know, doing... This, this podcast, it's awesome. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the musicians then. And mate, you're welcome to be on the show anytime you want. Really, just let me know anytime we got new music or what have you. I just there are so many wonderful artists from Western Australia, and I just love working with Lee on promoting all of the Firestarter artists. It's just so. Uh, I reckon my view here is, and I'm a Queenslander, but I reckon. Western Australia is the musical hotspot of Australia over the last two years or so. Now, that, that doesn't mean that a lot of the music actually makes it out of there. I've heard it. I've, I've listened to so many of your, the artists from Western Australia over dinner parties, barbecues, this sort of thing. And there's the diversity in the scene as well over there. So I'm yeah. just a big fan of what you guys are doing. Thank you very much. And, yeah, I, I, definitely, I feel spoiled over here living in Fremantle. You only have to go out any night of the week, and you can you can really ca- capture or catch some some great music. So many good bands and musicians out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's I I can genuinely say hand on heart. I haven't spoken to any 
any musicians from Western Australia who are producing music that I haven't found something to like about. I can genuinely say that. And that's not to say that other cities aren't in a similar vein, but I can genuinely say that all of the stuff that I've heard out of Perth, Frio, even up north, down south there, it's all been great stuff. And, and I think the one thing I'll say about Western Australian musicians, they seem to have a very the, the quality of the what I call the inner critic. Let's not put anything out there until we're ready. That sort of thing. That seems to be high, and believe me, I get a lot of stuff sent to me that I can't say the inner critic has probably even switched on. But yep. with uh, a lot of the stuff from Western Australia, I mean, of course, you all don't know each other. You know, you might be ships in the night playing venues at different times and different days and that sort of thing. But it's just the one thing I've noticed, and maybe there's something in the air over there. Yeah. I think there was a documentary released years ago, Something in the Water. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a good music culture here, and, um, and I think artists do potentially sort of slug it out for a bit longer before they often put things out, maybe. Um, I know for Jamie and myself, you know, we, we've certainly never been in any rush to, to get anything out. I don't know if that's disorganisation or just how it was <laughs> meant, to, meant to unfold. Um, and it was really just through... Uh, we've always done music for ourselves first and foremost mm. and it was only through yeah um a good friend of ours daniel henry who who really came in and said you know we got to record these tracks and and you know we owe him big time um cool. for for how he's helped us out you know through the whole recording producing um process yeah there you go all right so you worked with him, but what about the other musicians? So you worked with him as a producer, but the musicians that you worked with as well, I, I take it you had to draft in other people outside the pair of you to actually get the, the album sorted. So can you tell me about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Daniel Henry, who I just mentioned, um, he plays a bit of everything. So he probably is featured on every track in the album in one way, shape or form, um, whether it be from drums to keys, um, and uh, we've also had a, um, a good friend of ours, Chris Chen. Um, he came in and um, he actually played bass guitar on Wish I Was Brave. Okay. Yep. Um, and you might have heard he's got a project called The Peppermint Club. I um, have. I know, yeah. I've spoken to him before. He's a great fella, actually. One of my favourite albums from last year was from him. Yep. Epic album. Epic album. So um, he was always around, you know, when we were doing, um, doing stuff. Um, and also had uh, Daniel's older brother, Jason Henry. He came and played drums on a track in the album. Cool. Um, and also a friend of mine, um, Hamish Burton, who um, features in a couple of songs playing um, the cello. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, that's what I say. I haven't heard the whole album, but I'd love to hear that song there. Is that one of the more laid-back numbers, is it? It is, yeah. Um, and, yeah, funnily enough, we actually got the um, the... WA Song of the Year um, Wham Awards um, tomorrow night. We've been nominated for, for one of the categories and, and that's one of the tracks he plays uh, the cello on, um, one of wow. our songs, City. Well, fingers crossed. Actually, that was, a, that was a really good point about the Wham Awards there and I'll just sort of link it back to something we spoke about a moment ago, but maybe because you've actually got an independent award system over there. I don't. We have some over here, but they're not called like the Queensland Music Awards like the, the Whammies. Um mm. But because you've got that, I think you've got something to aspire to, even subconsciously. And I've spoken to a lot of the artists that have won categories, heaps of artists that have won categories in it, 
and they're thrilled to win it. It's not like, remember that thing in the 90s, if you might not be old enough to remember this, but back in the day, if you won an ARIA, you'd see the artists, and I won't name them, everybody can go onto YouTube and check it out, but just about all of the Aussie artists through the 90s, winning an ARIA seemed like a burden. And I was an aspiring yeah. musician. I thought, well, that's, that's, that's bullshit. You know, I mean, you're being recognised by the industry for your accomplishments and and you've been given credit for the wonderful music you've got out there. So you, you might as well acknowledge that that the industry is acknowledging you. And I think that does happen over there with you guys. I think that even subconsciously, I, I don't know, you know, who knows, but it just um, I think having an award system in place can't hurt, put it that way. Oh, look, we're absolutely stoked and excited to be nominated. It was something we certainly didn't see see coming. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy touring and get amongst it. <laughs> what about touring plans then and, and the promotion of the album? What have you got in store? Yeah. Oh, look, um, we're just looking at just doing as many gigs as we can and we're just going to take it as it comes. Um, as I said, we, we've always done music for ourselves, so we're putting absolutely no expectations on ourselves. Um, we're just going to enjoy the process of, of releasing our, our tracks. So we're going to do a few more single releases and then drop the album, and, and we're just going to enjoy the whole process um, mm. and just see what comes of it, really. Yeah, great attitude. Really good attitude because, I mean, look, you, you probably don't have a big machine behind you, i.e. a lot of cash behind you. If it catches on, it'll probably do it virally over Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social media platforms are out there these days that are the flavour of the month. But uh, I think you've got a really – just talking to you, I can sense you're a calm fella and you've got a great outlook on things. And especially with this year, that's the best outlook I think you can have. And, you know, the, the creation of this music will, will, will stand the test of time because – it's come from a very authentic place. And I can tell that just from this one track that I've heard from you guys. You know, and uh, I think the whole idea of musicians creating music and then trying to work out how they can obtain an audience. I'm at uni these days, so I'm studying social media. And mm-hmm. it is so... <laughs> mate, let me tell you, it is a hard thing for even us to get our heads around. And we're, I'm doing journalism with a major in social media. And it changes yeah. literally every week. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and country to country, too. You go to the Philippines, there's a different sort of f- social media that's popular there. In Japan, there's a different one. Um, it is so difficult to really get a grasp on it. The only thing I can say to anybody listening, if anybody tells you they're a social media expert, they're full of shit because there's no <laughs> such thing. And and yeah. just to link it back to what, what you're doing, I think music like yours is music that you can pick up in a listener I'm talking about can find it on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever they'll both will be called in 10, 15, 20 years' time and find it, and it'll still sound relevant. And I think that's a real accomplishment. You know that? Beyond anything else, I think yeah, it's a wonderful... Yeah, I think it's, there's, there's something nice knowing that it's going to sort of, I guess, just sort of float around, and and who knows who's going to listen to it. That's the exciting thing. Mm. Um, and who knows who's going to enjoy it. Um yeah. Yeah, ultimately, you know, that's always been our goal. You know, we we've enjoyed playing our music, and we've always done it for ourselves. Um, and now getting it out there, um, we just hope someone else will enjoy it, and um, we'll be stoked with anyone that that gives it a listen. There you go. Yeah, and and believe me, I'm not giving you advice here at all. So please don't take this as advice. But uh, I would suggest to anybody there who's an independent artist the big chance that I see or the big opportunity that I see these days is for music to be broadcast over Netflix films. So in the um, film industry, if you like. So sending your music out to 
people in uh, it doesn't even have to be Hollywood. Netflix films are made all over the world these days, and uh, mm. send it out to them and just see what happens. You might go, might find that somebody who's making a movie listens to your song and thinks. Holy moly, this is what I've been looking for and it'll perfectly match this particular scene here and I don't have to rewrite the scene because now I've got this wonderful track. And um, we were taught that in screenwriting, actually, at uni. And and it's definitely an opportunity that I don't think is utilised, but we'll keep quiet about it. We'll keep it between you and I. (laughs) So so, so, as I produce... the heads up. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it can't hurt. I mean, you put your music out there... It can't hurt to see what actually happens with it. The worst that'll happen is nobody ever gets back to you and big deal, lost nothing. Exactly, exactly. You know. um, I should also mention that um, we've, we've got um, a friend of ours, Carolyn, as well, who runs um, an organisation called Universal Art, and mm-hmm. she's been doing some awesome artwork for us. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the image. Um, Let me check it out uh, now. I've seen the photos, yeah. but I didn't see... Yeah, I've only got the... Fo- oh, yes, I've got it. Yeah, it's got the like an upside-down lollipop that could be the sun over the earth. That's right. So there's like a hand with the sun as a yo-yo. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there you go. Yeah. Over the over, over the earth, yeah. So, um, and that's what our, what what the name represents. Yo-Yo Sun is kind of like the meant to represent the um, sort of just the 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 sun rising and, and setting every day, just sort of coming as if it was coming close, like close and far away from the earth, as if someone had a had the sun on a yo-yo string. Gosh, um, you read my mind on one of my questions I was going to ask you, actually. So there you go. I don't know why I didn't make that link <laughs> between the two. I thought probably because, I've, I tell you what, because I've got kids and because they're always asking for lollipops and there's two of the bloody things sitting in the uh, fridge at the moment, half sucked on. <laughs> and one of them looks like that. It's red and yellow, like the one in your your, uh, your single cover here. Um, so I think I saw that and thought, wow, look at the upside down lollipop, but it's actually a sun. That's a yo-yo. That's so there it, you go. That's it. Yeah. And we we didn't we didn't sell CDs at our um, launch. We just actually sold yo-yos, which was pretty hilarious. So everyone was just you know brushing up on their their yo-yo skills. That's really um, cool. You know, yeah. After the show, that's actually the way to go to go about it. You know that because look, you get this small cohort of fans, and I've got to say I love it when I receive CDs from the artists that I talk to because I put them in my car because I've got a 2006 Jeep and doesn't have a car play system, so I listen to them in there. But in terms of promoting your material as as the artist, you've got to have a gimmick, if you don't mind me saying. You actually have to have one. There's no two ways about it. A lot of people go for T-shirts. I get that. They're an easy source of revenue because people yep. love to wear T-shirts. But I speak to bands that make popcorn containers, blankets, socks, tracksuit pants, um, it's just a case of finding someone who can actually do it for you, I think, and help you realise your vision via your merch game. That's it. And I think deep down, um, everyone wants wants to play with a yo-yo. That, <laughs> that was the logic I had, you know, and, and, it, and it pro- that was proven at our launch. I think pretty much everyone bought a yo-yo, um, which was great because it, it covered the cost of making the yo-yos. Yeah, well, that's um, what you're looking for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing is frisbees too. I, I, we go to a lot of fates with the kids, you know, like fairs and stuff. And there's always like, you know, a company like um, Holcomb or Borrell, they give out these little, you know, show bags or what have you and, and, and bound to be a frisbee in one of them. As soon as we get back home, we've got a car, a, a park across the road from us. Or over the road throwing the bloody frisbee around, <laughs> you know. That's it. Good, good practical merch. That's what you want. Yeah, practical merch. Yeah, it's a good, good, to, good to have a merch game even at this stage. It is. I'm, I'm pleased for you that you've actually figured that out because a lot of artists don't don't do it, uh, and uh, it's to their detriment. 
I think. And you never know. That yo-yo might fall into the right hands. And did it have your website on it and, you know, printed on it uh, and that sort of stuff? Or So that we got, like, uh, wooden yo-yos, which uh, oh, wow. have our logo, yeah. like, burnt, laser burnt in the side. With our name, so there's no website or contact, but it's it's got the it's got the name on. Oh there, God, you've gone the bespoke. Logo. You've gone real authentic. You've gone like if you got one of those yo-yos, you're at that show, sort of thing. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's uh and and um, you know, actually, I'll go. I'll take a left-hand turn, okay? Because I've, I've wanted to ask an artist this one here for a while. I think you're in a really good position to answer this question, actually. It's debate rages about musicians' role in society, especially because a lot of creative types don't necessarily fit into tr- traditional role structures, i.e. in an office, in a city, in a cubicle. God knows I didn't, and I hated it, to be honest with you, now that I look back on it, and I did it for almost 15 years, in and out, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. didn't hate it, but I liked being out on the road a lot better than I liked being in a job like that. But my, my question for you is, do you think that musicians should be subsidised for being creative regardless of their output? Just for being creative, as long as you get a certification, that sort of thing to say you're a bona fide musician, you perform in bands or you're a creative type. So as I can't be rorted, I don't know how people would do that, but let's just go into a hypothetical scenario for a moment. Do you think that musicians should be subsidised for being creative? I think why not? I think, um, you know, it's it's still people um, putting in their time and energy. Um, and, yeah, I think it's sad that society just values, um, you know, certain forms of, of uh, I guess, productivity and efficiency. And that sort of um, means that, you know, uh, you know, things that make the cog go around. Uh, but I think, I think music does as well. Like, it, it plays a massive role in society, in in I guess showing people something organic and authentic, and and it's what people can relate to, um, you know, and it's it's so emotive, and there's so many benefits to music. Like music is a universal language itself, and people that are creating music and putting their energy and time into it should be able to do it in a way which means that they're not you know scouring for money. Um, and um, trying to make ends meet, um, yeah, they, I, I'm all for all for that. Mm-hmm. I've spoken to some musicians, not on the podcast series. It's the first time I've asked that question, actually, in almost 400 episodes. So there you go. But I've spoken to musicians that just mates or whatever, and they say, "Well, there's already the dole, and that's the musician's subsidy right there." I thought, okay, hard to, <laughs> hard to argue, I suppose. But there's always a bit of a stigma that comes along with being on the dole. I think for a lot of people, but. But just to your point, I tend to agree with you, actually, on that one there, because my, my ultimate view, it's almost a life philosophy for me, but if it wasn't for the, and I think this is true, I, be, I truly believe this, if it's not for the musicians, the artists, the weirdos, the vagrants, the magicians, the jugglers, you know, the types that I'm talking about, these are the creative types, these are the ones that are actually basically conjuring something from nothing, okay, musicians especially, so artists as well, meaning painters and people who put together all various types of art for people to look at and to interact with. And if it's not for them, what's left? We're, mm-hmm. we're sort of devoid of humanity, really. Exactly. Exactly. It's just a tough one. It's just how do you reconcile good art and bad art? So how do you reconcile somebody, basically, to be quite frank with you, 
that is lazy and says, well, I'm a musician too, so let me do that. And you go, no, you're not. You're just broadening the system. It's impossible. Yeah. I get that it's impossible yeah. to do that. But should that should we, should we sacrifice the wonderful benefits that would come with giving musicians a subsidy via, a, let's call it a universal basic income because I'm not a socialist by any means, believe me, but I actually do believe in that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think with the rise of automation, and and it really it really uh, concerns me the volume of people that are are employed in retail in Australia, because most of those jobs are going to be redundant within twenty years. Mm-hmm. Certainly, just going by the statistics in terms of how quickly that sector is is shrinking, and uh, how many yep. roles are actually available. And I know, I know for a fact a lot of people that work in retail are working in retail because they're musicians. They're there to subs to supplement their income from music with working in retail. So there's a lot of there's a lot of merit to it, but. Uh, I don't think it'll ever catch on, to be honest with you. I think it's just something that musicians will agree upon themselves is worthwhile. And the non-musician types, a.k.a. the politicians of both flavours and streams, all flavours and mm-hmm. streams, they'll never be convinced. It won't be ever be something that'll ever be put on the table at an election time, that's for sure. There are mm-hmm. other apparently more important things, and I don't necessarily disagree with that on one level, but I think it's something that should be talked about. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I think there's, I think it's criminal when you when you go around and watch artists and 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 there's some incredible artists floating around and you know and and they're trying to make ends meet. I mean, to me, that's criminal. Mm. Um, you know, they should be, um, you know, ha- be be supported more so they can create more. You know what I mean? I mm. think, um, yeah, that's, that's that's what I reckon anyway. I think if there was a model where there were, I hate to use the term here because of my almost 15 years at Telstra, it sort of got drummed into you, but I was an account executive there, right? And one of the buzzwords, KPIs, key performance indicators. If you were going to put one into place for musicians, if they were being subsidised via a universal basic income, and we're just spitballing this, I get that. We're just talking in an abstract way about this, but what do you think we could put in place to, to justify universal basic income for musicians? Could we say something as basic like you've got to produce at least three new tracks a month or you've got to perform at least three times a month and these are the venues that you'll be put at so you almost have somebody acting as an agent for you to do that? Or what are your thoughts on how we could actually put the uh, the train in motion, so to speak? Oh, that's a, that's a tough very one. tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, mate? We'll go there, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, look, I, I think it's so hard to put a KPI on, on music and art and creativity. I think, um, I think that's, that, oh, I think there's danger in that itself as well, because I think creativity is something that is, you know, happens in its own time and space as well sometimes. Um, hmm. but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I know how to answer that question. Well, tough question. I get, I get it's a tough question, but let me draw a parallel for you. I had something in mind when I was asking it because I'm a writer. I'm studying to be a journalist. I've done, I've done a lot of writing. And some of my best writing I've done under what I call duress. So mm-hmm. I've been asked to go to a gig and review the gig. Okay, so let me talk about uh, Living Colour. I went and saw Living Colour a couple of years back. Now, I had to submit that review about two hours after the gig finished. Holy mm-hmm. moly, that really put me under a lot of pressure. At the time, I had a place in the Sunshine Coast, so I was driving back up there from Brisbane. And maybe not two hours, it was two or three hours. But the point is, I was under a lot of duress to get it done. That's still one of my favorite pieces of writing, that one there. Now, it probably is because I was under duress and I delivered something that I felt was half decent. Okay, so I'll keep that mm-hmm. in mind. But then I'll, write, then I'll read some of the other stuff without the uni framework around it, meaning with, it was unstructured. 
uh, that I did prior to going to Bond halfway through last year and I don't like it at all, but it's out there and I'm not going to remove it because I believe in being authentic. I haven't said anything strange or controversial in there or anything. That's the writing style. It's just not quite technically there yet in that journalistic style that I'm, I'm learning at the moment. But ironically, that Living Colour article basically is. And uh, mm -hmm. as a reviewer, their, their Brisbane performance. And I think there's some merit in being, and sports people talk about this, you either thrive or you die under pressure. It's one of the two. And sports people, I mean, it's ironic that Australia are playing England tonight, so hopefully we get up. But um, some some cricketers, uh, I'm trying to give you an example, like Usman Khawaja for a long time there, didn't really thrive under the pressure, certainly at a national level. But another cricketer who is fairly divisive, like Dave Warner, of course, he's just come back from a very long suspension, thrives under it and gets centuries. Has a great one-day yeah. international average. So you, you never really know. It really comes down to the individual, doesn't it, in that scenario there. And I think allowances have to be made. But uh, there's, I'll, I'll take another right-hand turn, a left-hand turn again, and I'll say that there's a fella called Andrew Yang. This isn't related to uh, creative types or anything like that, but he, he, is, he is advocating for a universal basic income for the reasons that I mentioned before about jobs that are going to be dis disappearing over the next few years or so. He's, he's a, an American Democratic candidate, um, and uh, he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast. So I think if anybody wants to listen to somebody who's, who's talking some very rational, he hasn't got it all figured out yet. There's no doubt about that because it's a very broad subject, as you've already mentioned. You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to sort of get your head around it straight away. But... Um, yeah, he's he's certainly got some very good ideas that I think if he had uh, was able to take it to a caucus style situation like what we've got the Senate here, some smart minds might be able to get together and actually figure out a way to make it work. So as though creative types and people can just sort of get by doing what they've been put on this this earth to do rather than just participate in this black and white capitalist economy of work and earn and buy shit. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. if money is coming Definitely, in, yeah. if money is coming in and companies like the Googles and the Apples and the like are being actually taxed properly in Australia and all the other countries that they trade in instead of having uh, bullshit tax havens in Ireland. Um, you might actually see, it might actually get some results. I don't think it would happen soon, but I think over time it would actually happen where you start seeing yeah, great sports people coming out of this scenario, great artists, as we've already mentioned. A lot of the, the guys and gals that like to code We'll come up with some wonderful mm -hmm. solutions via applications that are really meaningful because we all know a lot of the apps on I, uh, Apple iStore or um, whatever it's called, the Apple st App Store there, or in uh, what's the Google Store? Google, I don't know. I got an Apple, so I don't know what the other ones are called. But a lot of the apps are useless, to be honest with you, and they're fairly poorly thought through. Um, mm. But you might see a lot of these. It all to me, even sports people are creative because they're still conjuring something out of nothing. Meaning that, you know, they hit a ball a certain way. It hadn't been done like... It will never be done that exact way bef again, you know. And they train bloody hard, these guys and gals. They really do. I really admire sports people, I've got to say. But there's real merit in all of that conversation. And uh, I know it's a big one, man, but thanks for participating in it with me because I haven't sort of brought it up to this level before. But it's uh, something that's been on my mind for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely definitely interesting um, concepts and topic. Mm, no yeah. doubt. Mate, uh, we'll wrap things up, but for the audience, how can they get in touch with you? How can they listen to the wonderful music you're creating? Yeah, so um, we're on uh, all the music platforms, so uh, Spotify and Apple Music, and we've got a uh, Instagram, YoYoSun underscore Frio, um, and we've got a Facebook page as well, Yo Yo Sun Music. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, people can just jump on board, have a listen, um, and we'll keep people updated with any new releases coming out and any any shows coming up. The cool thing is, most of my audience is in the states, is in the US. So it that's what the other thing I love doing is giving Australian artists exposure to the American audience because you know over there, mate, two hundred and sixty odd million people. It's the commercial bonanza if you can crack it, and uh, you know even if you get a tiny minuscule fraction of that. You never know. You never know what could happen. Yeah, well, to all those Americans out there, please spread our music. <laughs> we want to come to it. We want to come to America. <laughs> Good on you, mate. All that- you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay Smith, and that interview subject was Andrew Miller from the Fremantle-based act Yo Yo Sun. Thanks so much for listening.